For a long time, I'd look around and see really amazing HR people that could really drive business outcomes, but we were often relegated to clerical and administrative tasks. I think that L&D folks have had that same experience. And a lot of that goes back, this is why I feel so strongly about making sure you have the right tools. Hi, I'm Tep Losser, CEO and co-founder of WorkRamp, where we're redefining the corporate learning space with the world's first all-in-one learning cloud for employee and customer learning. Welcome to the Learn Podcast, where we learn from the biggest leaders in SaaS and hear what makes them successful. Today, we have a great leader on, Kara Brennan Alamano, Chief People Officer of Lattice. Thanks for joining us. All right. Hey, everyone. Today, we are delighted to have on our guest, Kara Brennan Alamano. Kara is the Chief People Officer at Lattice, and she has an immense amount of experience across all things HR and people related. We have so much great stuff to talk about with her. So, Kara, Let's get started with your background. I think that's a really great place to start. Tell us a little bit more about your career journey here. Yeah, you know, in brief, I've I've been in HR for almost 23 years now, which is kind of nuts. And the first half of my career was in corporate HR. So I was with Knight Ritter, which was a newspaper company and Guthy Ranker and Young and Rubicam and Wonderman. So definitely on the media and communication side. And then I had a roommate who had a friend that was doing a startup and I lived in San Francisco. It sounded like a really interesting new challenge. So moved into tech in about 2008. So almost almost 15 years ago now too. And have have really loved, loved that journey and, and have helped build human resources, people functions at, at those companies. So first one was Context Optional, which became Adobe Social, then Pinterest, then Planet, which was Space Tech. And then Udemy was, was when I moved over to the learning and development side and started really sitting in the, in the seat where I was the customer and the leader in the business. And then super excited to be here at Lattice and have been here since last year. That's an awesome, awesome journey. So are you still keeping up with your Pinterest board though? That's the best question out of all of <laughs> You know, that's hilarious, Ted. I literally was looking at it over the weekend and my, as you would expect, my Pinterest photo was my wedding photo that at the time I was at Pinterest, I had just gotten married and had all that up there. So it was, I had that moment this weekend. So yes, I'm keeping up with the board. I might have to dig into that. Maybe link to that in the show notes. Afterwards. Yes, yes. I'm sure everybody wants to know what a blue and white wedding looks like. So... Well, you've had so many amazing experiences in your career, and those are just game-changing companies you've been at. Let me ask you this. What would you say was the most transformative on your career journey? I know it's hard. It's like picking picking your favorite child, but what I mean by transformative is at the time, the steepest learning curve or the most challenging Mm -hmm. or looking back on it, it's like, wow, how did I get through that? You know, I think especially working in high tech companies and especially working just on the people side of business in general, you you can't avoid some really transformative experiences. So whether it's like with a leader you're partnering with or whether it's doing really fun things like growing Pinterest and and taking Udemy public, that's amazing. And then the 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 blessing and, and the challenge of being a part of this side of the business is also being on the helping people through tough things. So 
you know, the thing that comes top of mind when you say this, and it's probably recency bias here, it's it's that we did just go through some layoffs at Lattice, and that was really tough, and it's transformative, and it just really reminds me why I do what I do, because I really want to make sure that during the good times, people have good experiences, and also that when you're managing through some of these more challenging times, that you're helping people have a lot of dignity and fundamentally that everybody's learning and growing through all of it. And you're able to reflect on on some of the decisions you made, why you made them and, and make sure you're continuing to improve. You know, and I could relate to, we just went through layoffs here at WorkRamp. So I know how challenging that is, especially for people leaders. Let me double click into that just a little bit. What would you say where you're guiding, let's call it principles or philosophies of making sure that that was, let's call it the best experience as possible for mm -hmm. either your team members mm -hmm. or people remaining. Give us some background on what your guiding philosophy was there. When we had come to terms with the fact that this was something that we needed to do, I had a discussion with my team and I said, look, our job here is to put as much energy and as much effort into making this a dignified experience as much as when people join the company, I want them to feel that they were treated as well with as much thoughtfulness and as much respect as when they're leaving the company. And we had people go back to that and go back to that sentiment. And I just want to recognize Jack Altman, who's our CEO, definitely supported that and, and gave us the time and resources we need to make sure that we did this a way in the right way for us as as folks at Lattice and Letitians and leaders that were having to make decisions. And I think when you have your, you were saying guiding light or guiding principle, all about respect for the individual. And really, we want people to succeed, whether they're inside Lattice, whether they're outside Lattice. We even have a program where if somebody comes and says, I want to start a company, we'll invest in them. That's really a sentiment that Jack founded the company with. So in some ways, it made my job as a people leader easier as we were navigating this, this challenging time. And I can tell you, I also know that when we are, are getting back on our growth path at Lattice and, and we, we're achieving what I believe and know we will achieve as a business, it's what's going to make it even more fun when we get to that IPO or to that sustainable public company business or, you know, whatever metric we want to meet. So I think what's interesting for me is understanding that some of those foundational things are always foundational, good times, bad times in between. That's right. That's right. And speaking of, you know, I have no doubt Lattice will, will be on that IPO journey. We're, we're a very happy customer. We're actually just <laughs> launching, uh, I think we use every one of your products, but just launching Grow on March 1st. So excited yeah, for that yeah. one. But speaking of IPO too, I want to double click yeah. into a part of your career around Udemy. And I think, was yeah. Udemy your primary IPO? Did you do another yes. IPO? Okay. Well, yeah. And and I think that's that's sort of the flip side of this conversation of, of what is something that's transformative. And that was definitely a transformative journey for me. Yes. What I'll tell you, which is interesting, is when you're on the people side of business and you're in high growth companies, you always have an eye toward what do I need to be as a sustainable company? And I think you know, I use that term more than IPO because IPO is just one day. Yep. Um, yep. And and really what we're trying to do is are build practices that are going to 
be differentiator for the business, you know, in 20 years and 30 years too. But definitely, I think transformative on a couple levels in that at Udemy, we went public quite literally on the tail end of the pandemic. So we were building toward this public company readiness for two years and most immediately six months, like racing during a time when the, when it was a crazy amount of change, Ted. Totally. Totally. I can imagine balancing both the IPO readiness and essentially how to work during the COVID pandemic must've been nuts for you. It, overall. It was definitely. Well, let's let's shift gears just a little bit. We talked about your transformative, let's call it primary work mm-hmm. experiences. Not a lot of people know this about you, but you have essentially the secondary work experience around people tech. Tell yeah. people a little bit more around people tech advisors and also the investment partners. We'd mm-hmm. love to hear more about why this came to be. Give us a little more information about it because I think a lot of people in the audience would find it really interesting. Yeah, I, you know, I'm happy to talk about this. Also want to note that like, this is where I learned more about WorkRamp too, Ted. Yes, that's right. People Tech <laughs> Network and the, the community. So People Tech Partners, it is a group of, of around 250 heads of people, CHROs, folks that are in positions to make decisions about the type of tools that their companies use in high growth technology companies. And it started about more than a decade ago, my partner, Robbie Peters and I, we were doing some angel investing and, and some advising of early stage companies. And, and we were out for coffee one day and I said, you know, what I'm finding is, is that this is, first of all, really helping the founders that want to bring really cool technology to market to serve the needs that I have as a as somebody who cares about HR and talent and L&D and in and facilities and in the different areas of the business that I own and and the reason I say it was it's transformative and really important is that it's not it was not a sexy thing to do to care about future of work. And I know that seems crazy now. And, and I feel like it's, it's really awesome that, that I get to say that with irony now, but I had like two choices for an HRES whenever I would join a company. I had really old, old LMSs, Ted, you know that. Like <laughs> with, right. right. Benefits were like, okay, vision, dental and, and health. And then you weren't, you this was during a time when everybody was trying to differentiate themselves and coming to the people leader and saying, well, we want to be cool like Google and we want to compete. But there were literally, we were all using the same tools. There was no differentiation and and the employee experience was becoming more and more digital. So what we've done, fast forward to where we are now, we're this group and and we select companies to become a part of, of the people tech family and we serve as advisors, as partners, as early customers. We also serve as evangelists for what, what these folks are doing. And it has become a community of people that are really here to make employee experiences super awesome. And the, the side of that, you know, is that 
in addition to that, because you get a lot of really smart, awesome people together, we share a lot of information and, and we have become a place that people come to ask questions from a thought leadership perspective. And, and we also just like to have a lot of fun together. This is a group of people that I have the utmost respect for. And, and these are the true innovators on the people side of business. So for example, when, when somebody asks, what are you using for an LMS? What are you doing on the learning side of business? This is where WorkRamp comes in. We share that information. We let people know what the next best new thing is. And then what we also do is reach out to these founders and say, is there a way we can help you get where you want to go? Because our goal is to have you be a sustained business and we want to use the best. So that's where we are. That's yeah, who we are. I remember when we were introduced really early on, I think it's 2016, and we finally were mm -hmm. able to, I think you all were part of our Series C, which was, we were yeah. blessing to have you as part of it. But, but maybe the question I have for you, this gets a little more tactical on this, mm -hmm. is we have, I meet with a lot of leaders who kind of want to do, I want to call them side hustles per se, but mm -hmm. they want to yeah. continue to stay involved outside of their primary, let's call it primary work. Mm -hmm. What was your framework heading in? Were you saying, hey, this is a 10% project nights and weekends? Mm -hmm. How do you fit this in with such a busy schedule and intermingle mm -hmm. the two? So fluidly, because I feel like you're a shining example. I always talk to my my wife where we're always talking about, hey, what, what are these other interests on the side that mm -hmm. we can partake in while still really focusing on our core day jobs? Give us give us some some tips on how to actually handle the two together. <laughs> well, I think first of all, I think it is about doing the things that you love to do. And the things that I love to do is I am a nerd for technology tools. And this is an area that I'll tell you, I have a very full day job, but these are these are things I found myself doing anyway, right? Like I'd want to know what was out there. I would really want to understand like and bring new innovation to the companies where I was. So I think defaulting to that first, in, in my case, it was something that was, you know, adjacent to the work that I was also already doing. I know that there are many other people that have other passions and things like that that aren't, you know, wholly connected. And I think that's great too, because I actually believe no matter what you do, you're learning and and it's really important to, to stretch yourself. I think a, a couple of other key things that, that were really helpful is to have a partner in Robbie Peters and and uh, that was that was luck and then and then some intention once we had already been connected. And what he brought to the table was he was working with Sequoia Consulting and he, he sold to customers like me. So we found together we could really be complimentary and helpful in terms of our mission to help help founders and, and help ourselves. And then the last piece is I just, I think I believe in the power of a group of people. And, and people talk about having their tribe, folks have their communities. You see that there are lots of wonderful networks out there. And a big part of this is just, I'm a fangirl of a lot of the work of the other advisors and I learn from them and I grow from them. And I, I, I call these folks my, you know, um, my hive mind when it comes to people things. And so when you build those relationships and you build them over time, they become really special to you. And, and I think any of us, in any different parts of our lives, I've found it investing in those things are, it doesn't feel like work, right? It, yep. it feels, it, it, it feels like you're just enriching, enriching your lives. And I think a lot of us all feel that way. So it's been, it's been special. I think the other thing is like, just start something, right? So when we, we it, 
I think it can feel really big to go and say, I'm going to start this whole side business and it's going to be awesome. When we started, this was simply just an intention to do some interesting stuff and meet maybe once a quarter and do that. And, and it has grown from there. So I think just putting one foot forward and, and moving in a direction is, is a great way to start too. I love that. So choose one, choose what you love, find a good partner, find a good group of people too. And, and think of the reach you've had all organically on people tech. I doubt you've spent anything on marketing. No, not at all. <laughs> so that's all. awesome. I want to switch gears a little bit to viewpoints. You have so mm -hmm. many probably good viewpoints of the world right now. One big topic right now I talk to other leaders about is the shifting dynamic in the corporate setting back to employers. If you think about, let's mm -hmm. call it the 2016 through 2021 period, I'm just going to guesstimate that. A lot of the power resided with employers. That's why you saw some of the salaries kind of get out of band mm -hmm. and, and people jumping ship very frequently. Now mm -hmm. it's kind of shifted back to the employers in this market, really because everyone's looking for efficiency and there's, let's call it fewer seats available for people at companies. Mm -hmm. What's your viewpoint on this shift? Is there a way that you would recommend that people teams should run with this new shift in mind? I'm curious to get your opinions on it. Mm -hmm. Well, having been doing this for a while, what I can say is, is there's definitely a cyclical nature to the work that we do. And if you're going to be in HR for long enough, you're, you're going to see this. You're going to see going around the spectrum of, of very employee-focused employee periods of time, employer-focused periods of time. What I think we're going into now, it does look and feel different to me. And how I see it, and I've heard it framed a few different ways. McKinsey was just doing some work on, on this being a performance and people organization. And, and that's a combination of an organization that would be very employer-centric and maybe not so people-friendly, and then people-centric and maybe not so business-friendly. But putting those things together in a really meaningful way and thoughtful way is where, you, where all the research tells us is a sweet spot. And, and this is what we on the people side of business have I've been charged with for 25 years, right? Is how do we get to that middle? Now, what I can tell you is my experience of being able to influence and make decisions and have the right people at the right times around the table has been very different. Yep. But what I'm seeing now through the learnings through the pandemic, through the learnings about an extremely tight labor market, and I think this doubling down and looking back to the employee experience as a key differentiator for business, and I, I credit some of this great research that's been done in the last five years, it says really the power of the knowledge worker is, is, the, is key. It is, it is apex. It, it's at the top of the mountain for where we want to be with business. And I think there's many different factors that are going to that, including AI and some of these other components that are taking away some of these more clerical tasks, administrative tasks. I do think we are in a different future of work, right? I think the pendulum will go back. You know, we won't be on an extreme. We won't be, you know, elbowing everybody out for to, to get an offer to somebody that, you know, we feel like we have to have. But I'm really optimistic for this this partnership that we can have between employees and business. And um, 
And this is where this is where you achieve great things. And we've seen those companies here, there, and everywhere, and we've tried to emulate them, but in a different kind of way. I'm seeing CEOs like you, Ted, sitting in the seat saying, this is my number one concern. I'm seeing people frontline saying, I want to join a mission-driven company that aligns with my values. I mean, people feeling empowered to ask for that. And then companies saying, I have to deliver on this, right? So the investment is there both in, in time and and in sentiment. I'm super curious from you. I, I know when I work with my coach, we always talk about um, other CEOs that you might want to emulate or you admire. Are there companies, actually flipping this question to you, yeah. Are there, are there companies or people leaders where you're like, hey, that company is doing it right right now, or that leader is doing it right at, at a specific company? I'm super curious if you have anybody that's top of mind. You could totally flatter them. That's a hard question for me to answer. <laughs> and I'll just be honest because everybody has different experiences at companies too. So I, yeah, I actually cool. have a fundamental belief that like one company could be the exact right company for to somebody optimize their career. And it could look like, you know, peaches and sunshine from the outside. And then the company that looks like the place that people don't want to be. I mean, to be clear, I started my my career in newspapers when my friends were going into tech, right? And so I was that person that people were like, why would you go work there? It was the A plus number one right first step for me. So Understanding that's where I come from. I, I do. The reason I'm at Lattice is because I really I was impressed with what they were building outside the company and then coming inside the company and seeing how Jack leads with integrity. And and we really do in our decisions think about how we can build a company that everybody's really proud to be a part of. That is also a high growth and, and successful business. I think that's been really great. I had an experience at Udemy where it was truly a learning culture. We spent a lot of times time focused on learning there, but it was a culture that was really about people coming and growing and building careers. And and so I think I've taken lots of different things from different companies. And you know, my hope is to continue to to do that, to continue to work at cool places where I'm learning new stuff. Well, to your credit, one of the companies I always admired was Lattice. That's why we, we asked Jack to come come invest and be an independent board member. But just him infusing some of the yeah. culture you all have built into WorkRamp has been outstanding. So it's let real. me, let me ask you another, another viewpoint, too. Obviously, we're in the learning category here at WorkRamp. You've mm -hmm. run many L&D teams yourself. Mm -hmm. Maybe give... Give us some of your core tenets of running a successful L&D team. I know it's it's mm -hmm. one of the core pillars of a people leader, but give us your viewpoint on L&D. What makes, what makes a team successful or what have you learned even recently of mm -hmm. how a team should run? I think a couple things are important when learning, when looking at learning development. I think learning and development is going through a similar process that we went through on the HR side of the house. And I think they're doing it more recently in the sense that for a long time, I'd look around and see really amazing HR people that could really drive business outcomes, but we were often relegated to clerical and administrative tasks. I think that L&D folks have had that same experience. And a lot of that goes back, this is why I feel so strongly about making sure you have the right tools. Because when you're mired in you know spreadsheets and trying to get you know Google Docs out to people, you're not doing the best work that you can, the most transformative work. So what, what I've found with learning development teams is 
man, these are some folks that have some of the clearest insights into the business because they are out there teaching and learning and being in that space where your employees are actually vulnerable and able to say, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. I need to be taught. They tend to have really, really strong relationships and have their pulse on the business. So what I've tried to do is a couple things. Make sure that in the same way that my HR business partners are, are being a real conduit for feedback and input and insight into the organization, that my L&D partners are playing that same role. Mm. And we're not just relegating L&D to a program specific role. And we're not just saying, hey, feed folks, you know, growth paths. That instead we're asking them, what are you hearing are the needs of the org? And what do you think we need to do to build for those folks? So not underestimating the strategic insights and importance of our learning and development function, I think is really important. And then the other thing is I feel really strongly that L&D needs good tools and good tooling. And having been, you know, the first person we hired besides HR, me at Pinterest, the you know, one of the highest growth companies out there at the time was our learning and development leader. Wow. And it was because we knew if we're going to compete with Facebook and Google for the very best talent, those, we needed to be able to deliver that. And so folks need to have good tools. They need to have resources and tools. And I'm a lot more optimistic now with with platforms like WorkRamp and others. And and I'm seeing more connections between those tools and what we're doing on the HR side, what we're doing on the recruiting side. I love this soundbite. The, the first one is, I never really thought about this way, but they're much, an L&D leader is much more close to HR business partner in the sense that, mm-hmm. hey, they need to know the needs of the business. And, and it's just different how you translate it, right? HRBP mm-hmm. might do it in a specific way, but an L&D person might build programs off of that. I love that that tidbit for mm-hmm. people. Think of them as, as and, almost similar as a, roles. Yeah, and, yeah. and I've, my L&D folks have been L&D partners. And that's and you, and so you swap. That's what I was going to say. Do you do you see a lot of swapping or role changes between those two roles in the orgs you've run? I just, you know, what I I do my best, you know, depending on the size of the company, to make sure everybody's in the same room. Yeah. Like when we're making strategic calls, or if if there's a challenge on the business side, making sure that HRBPs have that connection to the learning development partner, and it's not just the silo. Um, and a lot of that happens anyway, so I don't want to underestimate that those things happen, but really being intentional and calling that out, I think is important. Cool. Well, we're going to close, Kara. This has been an awesome session. We're going to close with what we call the learn rapid fire round. So we're oh, going to give you okay, a series of questions. You can <laughs> give me one, two line answers or give me context. Uh, but I'm going to start with the first question. Who have you learned the most from in life? It's a hard one. My grandfather turns 100 years old next week, James Michael Brennan Jr. And he has been a wealth of awesome stories and awesome learning. Oh, that's amazing. And congrats on the 100, 100 year mark. Thank you. We're really happy. All right. Next one. What is one podcast, book, blog, whatever learning resource you have learned the most from? Right now, I'm reading Marcus Aurelius's Meditations, and I know that sounds a little highbrow, but man, it's really cool. That's cool. That's really cool. I need to check that out, actually. Mandela had it with him in, for all of his years in prison and credit, credits it as the way he made it through. 
Okay, maybe we'll link to those as well too. That's, yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. All right, thinking about the future, what is one topic you want to learn, or it's on your on your to do list to learn more about, or topic or theme? I need to learn Spanish. Okay. I need to learn another language. That's what I'm really interested in. That's I'm awesome. terrible at it, but I want to learn it. <laughs> Duolingo, go download it. Yeah. Yes, I know, I know. All right, if you had your choice, you can meet anybody and learn from them. They could be alive or deceased. Who would it be? Well, right now, I think it's Marcus Aurelius. He's he's a pretty cool dude. I think there's a quote I heard Steve Jobs saying this. He would trade all his technology that he invented for one afternoon with Socrates. So, yeah. so, so I don't know how much you would trade for an afternoon with Aurelius, but Marcus Aurelius. I do like my technology, but. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. Last one here. In terms of your career journey, if you had someone coming to you and saying, hey, what's the one thing I can learn from you from your career? What's the advice, one piece of advice you would give to that person? Try new things. That's how you grow. And, and by the way, you're going to fail it. You're going to fail at some of it, but some of it's going to grow into stuff you never even knew would happen or you'd be capable of. Awesome. I love that. Well, Kara, this was an amazing podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. I learned so much from you. I hope the audience can learn so much from you as well. Looking forward to connecting again soon. And for the audience, hope you enjoy this session. And remember, always be learning.